or the builder, Sean the racer, and maybe a guest invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Subscribe to the podcast with no driving gloves. Time now for the ride. Exciting night here in the studios. Our guest had to cancel at the last minute. We were really hoping to talk some Bitcoin and uh, GPUs and all this kind of funky computer geeky stuff that us car people love. No, we, we have a whole different topic for him, but he did have to cancel the last minute. So everybody crawled out of the woodwork. And how's it going, team? It's going. Hey, look, it's Will. Hey. Glad you can join us, Will. Well, you know, I'll do what I can. You been uh, busy doing something or something? Nah, no, nah, I just uh, been lazy, just not wanting to do nothing. Sleeping a lot, laying by the pool, you know, got it open finally. So pool's good to go. That's all I've been doing. Nice, nice. What about you? Me? Just hanging out with the kids and stuff? Yeah, you know, I just hang out with the kids every day, sit around, pet the dog, watch TV. Yeah, we got four dogs. That's not my problem. And a cat and a bunny. Got one of them little hippity hoppities, huh? Yeah, it, it has the laundry room. The laundry room is, is Button's little area. Nice. He, he rolls in the laundry room. Little little rabbit poop all over the place. No, no, he's he's actually um, litter trained. He goes into his little, wow. little does his thing, and he comes out. We you know we leave the laundry room door open. He comes out every once in a while, but he's actually pretty cool. And then the girls brought home a cat a couple of weeks ago. What about John? Yeah, John, what's going on? For me, it's kind of the same stuff. I've just been playing with podcasts, looking at RVs. Got to go get an oil change this week, and the dealership really has a Transit Connect that's priced so well. It's it's so damn tempting. I just wish those things could tow. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Just typical John staying busy, not making any sense of what what he's doing, and you know, try no no. What do I want to say? Rhyme or logic? What I'm doing? So. What kind of RVs you looking at? Oh, I really want to get some sort of. Uh, if I get something, I want to be in like that fifteen to eighteen foot travel trailer. Hopefully, two thousand twenty five hundred pounds, something I can pull with a smaller vehicle. Yeah. Oh well, wait, 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 wait. By RV, you you mean recreational vehicle? I thought you meant restorable vehicle. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, this would be recreational. No, I'm looking and thinking, you know, the, the tab three, uh, is it 360, 380. I like, I really like the, um, um, what's it called? The, the Airstream. Oh, and all yeah. of a sudden I'm forgetting what it is, but Jesus Christ for a 16 foot RV, it's 60 grand. Just go ahead and step up and get the Mercedes, uh, Sprinter, uh, <laughs> Airstream. They're bad ass. Yeah, I don't know if I want it because I don't know if I want that whole size of vehicle. And if I did that, I'd probably have to go back and get a road trek, you know, from 10 years ago or something. The problem with the Mercedes Airstream is it's kind of going to depreciate. With the Airstream, um, and I can't think of the name of the one that I was looking at, 
you know, it's going to cost $60,000, $65,000 to buy. It's going to hold its resale value so much better than anything else on the market. That's so true. I can buy it, have it for a year or two, and probably get 90 or 95% of my money back. Where if I buy something in the $20,000 price range, which seems affordable, it's going to depreciate 50% in a year. I'm going to lose a lot more percentage-wise and a little bit more money and have to suffer with something that's a little crappier. Yeah, we're looking at uh, we're looking at motorhomes right now too. So, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I am not. <laughs> I had a buddy that had the perfect setup for you in Big Oak. You know, he had the 48 foot RV and everything, and had it custom made, granite countertops, marble floors, slide outs. Had the matching four car stacker trailer and. I think when the thing was all assembled, it was like 79, 80 feet long, you know, yep. truck and trailer and absolutely gorgeous. But I, I know he sold the RV. We're looking for like a class A diesel pusher, the 15,000 pound towing capacity to haul a, you know, like a stacker trailer or something like that. So we're getting, we're getting ready to sell the house up in Tennessee. So wait, you have a house in Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's talked about it before on the podcast. You know, th- this is this is Will. <laughs> Probably one of the nights I was not yeah, there, on. There, well, if you listen to all the episodes like Will and I do, we never miss an episode. Cha. Well, I listen to them all. What was I going to say? I know somebody who's got a stacker and a half full height, and then that's really short on the second level. I don't know if that works for you. That he's most of the cars we build are pretty low. Probably going to get the motor home first and then start looking for a stacker, you know, probably this time next year or something. Because we still got our dually and 48 foot trailer that we're not going to get rid of. Just, you know, making them cross country treks a little bit easier and probably can do them non stop that way. You have the bathroom with you and you have food with you and something everybody can drive while you sleep. It'd be like being in a rock band. That's it. That's that's the whole that's the whole logic behind it. You know, you save, you know, on a on a three day trip, you save a day and a half, and save hotel lodging for four to six guys. I mean, exactly. You can kind of start start seeing how it pays for itself. Exactly. So that's uh, that's kind of the thought process, and we can use it as a family. You know, if we want to go on vacation or whatever, we just hop in and you, go. You, you can't say that on the podcast, just in case your local IRS auditor is listening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see tons of advantages to what you're doing and, you know, the money saved and the, the convenience. And, you know, you get yourself your nice presidential suite at the hotel, at the show, and you have all the guys stay in the RV that's in your parking spot outside. And there you go. There. There was some, I see another plus to it, but it slipped my mind. But hey, maybe I'll come back to it in you know ten minutes when it's totally irrelevant. Oh, I was going to say on a normal year, non-COVID and whatever, you guys are doing what two or three shows a month anyway. So yeah, yeah, we're we're minimum one one a month. Uh, we've been hitting the West Coast up at least two to three times a year. We were supposed to go to California here in a couple of weeks. Uh, that show got canceled. And then we'll go to SEMA, which is basically the West Coast. 
and then turn right around and go back out there in into January 1st of February, you know, so I mean, that's, that's three trips across the United States and, you know, less than eight months. What's the chatter on um, the show that was supposed to be in May? Because I know we even talked about some plans about no driving gloves, possibly attending. Um, and, you know, they canceled and now all of a sudden the world's reopening and events are happening and concerts are happening and, are they kicking themselves for the canceling it or is there any chatter about that or no California still, they're still canceling all the stuff that's in California. They just canceled another show that that's in May in California last week in, in, in Bakersfield of all places too, which is kind of, it's California, but it's not really California, you know, <laughs> anyway, I see Derek can't be talking about these RVs and things because he built that really kick-ass barn out back. He's kind of planted himself. Of course, he's got the nice... Exactly. He's got the place to store it. True. That is true. I went with the 10-foot doors, you know, and get big things in. Didn't want to limit myself. Would you like to store Will and I's buses? Too far to go get it. <laughs> I, got, I got 80 acres. I'll figure out a place to put mine. Park it out back. You'll just throw out some of them building seeds and another building will grow. <laughs> we did we did add um more of it's more of a lean to with a concrete floor. Is that a new lean to? You talked about the lean to, and I know you built the warehouse, I think on the office end of the shop, but yeah, this is off the, the back end of the warehouse. It's where we're gonna do sandblasting and stuff like that, but it's uh they got the smoker out there, you know, the grill. <laughs> no, we the, have that on, the griddle. We have uh, that on the back patio of the shop where we've got our sunshades and 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 all that stuff. Heck yeah, man. I've even got gas ran out there for the grill, you know, convert your propane grill to LP and you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have a grill out there yet, but it's plumbed out there ready for it. But yeah. Matter of fact, we're cooking out Thursday. Y'all should come by. Chicken wings and boudin. Let me let me get right on that. Come on, yeah. <laughs> I might take you up on it, except I do the uh, cigar show podcast on Thursday nights. No, this is Thursday for lunch. Oh, Thursday for lunch. What do I got going on? Oh, you got that, John. You can make that. I might be able to make that. You know, that's when I'm supposed to get my oil changed and keep me away from that uh, Transit Connect. Right, Zara happy. And, and this is she- real Louisiana boudin. This ain't some of this stuff you buy in Alabama. I mean, this was. Isn't Louisiana, though, the vinegar based um, barbecue sauce more than the tomato based? It's not barbecue, it's boudin. Never. Louisiana booty? What? Barbecue and boudin is two totally different things. I don't know what that is. Maybe I'll have to do a Google search. No, 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 no. no. Don't don't do that. You'll never eat it. <laughs> is it like uh, crawfish? You know, I, I won't eat those things either because I remember playing with them as kids. You know, they're slimy and the kind of the ditches, and now people are eating the things by buckets. Mud, mud bugs. Yeah, I, I love just crawfish. Uh, you uh, can um, boudin's made out of whatever you want to make it out of. That sounds appetizing. We have some seafood boudin, pork, and oh, so it's kind of like kind of like a sausage. It's kind of like a sausage, yeah, but it's not a sausage. 
I don't ever remember Justin Wilson talking about it. It's it's in a casing like a sausage. That's about the only thing that's similar. It's got like rice and stuff in it. It's really good. So it's it's a little bit like I, I guess it's kind of like the uh, Louisiana, like kind of a cultural right. thing. Like uh, I knew, you know, I, I knew some folks from Pennsylvania area and Scrapple's big there. You usually don't want to know what's in the Scrapple. Just right. eat it. It's just kind of. I was just going to make that reference. You know, Will's doing such a good job at marketing his Louisiana boudang. Uh, let's let's have him market scrapple too. And it's gonna be, <laughs> when I lived in Virginia, the little restaurant in one of one of the little towns I lived in, out of the many I did, uh, had a little little restaurant like half a mile from the house would serve scrapple for breakfast, and I've yep. never quite understood wanting to eat that one either. Well, I'm telling you, my good friend Bubby Lupe from Louisiana. Stopped by the shop this week and brought me a cooler full of real boudin. So Thursday for lunch, boudin and chicken wings. I don't think you'll see me Thursday. No, no offense, but I'm telling you, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> well, I believe in trying everything twice. You know, just because in case the first time you know you had a bad experience. I agree with that. That's a good way to look at it. Can I tell y'all something that's really pissing me off? Of course, that's what we're here for. There's no driving gloves. That's the whole idea behind the name. Take the gloves off and slap them. I am sick and tired of not being able to get the parts when we need it. And, you know, we're we're pretty good at Big Oak about having stuff sitting on the shelf. When you need it, you go out and grab it. So we're real good at ordering stuff early so my guys don't have to wait on the parts to come in, especially the, the bigger stuff. I'm saying brakes, wheels, tires, air conditioning units that we all mock up before it goes to paint, uh, wiring harnesses. I mean, you, you name it, um, the big stuff like that. And, man, I wish they could get this stuff under control. I know the manufacturers are working as hard as they possibly can, you know, it's it's really good for the manufacturers because they're selling it as quick as it hits the shelf. You know, we're we're a big holly shop, and man, it's just waiting on this stuff is killing us. So I, I mean, it's just driving me crazy. I don't know, I don't know what the solution to the problem is. I, I mean, but I wish they would get it figured out. We mentioned this in the pre-show a little bit. And, you know, I'm dealing a lot in computers now and watching that market. And, heck, I was buying memory for the kids' computers and my computers and to upgrade some of that. And I'm still waiting on memory for one of my laptops to get back into stock. And it's – none of this stuff is achievable. You can't get it. The cigar industry is the same way. And one of the things I heard in relation to the cigar industry, and I wouldn't be surprised if it carries over to a lot of the other industries – a lot of these people got laid off from their jobs during COVID or something, but they had to eat. So they went and got different jobs. Now they don't want to go back to their old jobs. It's I know that's a big thing in the cigar industry. And then you're looking at this is back ordered. In order to manufacture this part, you need these parts and those parts are back ordered. And it's just a whole trickle down effect that, you know, Holly's buying stuff from 10 different companies to assemble you know, a fuel injection system or, 
And I don't know. I know somebody was looking for Mickey Thompson tires for her car to go to a big show, I think down towards New Orleans a week or two ago. And she, I don't know, after four or five days of looking, finally managed to come up with just about almost what she wanted. It wasn't the exact tire she wanted, but she at least got new tires for the car and then went down and won a best in show. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's just, you know, it's the interesting aspect of COVID. And it's, I don't know if I want to go there, but it's something I've always said, we're going to be in trouble if we go to war. I mean, we, we entered this COVID phase. We ran out of toilet paper. Who would ever think the United States would run out of toilet paper and that would be an incentive to come test drive a car? What's going to happen if we actually went to war with a country? Where are we going to, what is actually our backlog? Our supply chain's a, a week old, you know, a week out on a lot of stuff. To me, it's really a wake-up call for a lot of um, my items. Are you having any solutions or is it just sit, you know, hurry up and wait, I guess, Will? What are you guys doing to get around it? One of, one of the good things is like Summit stocks a ton of stuff. So, you know, like if Holly's out of something and we, we actually really got to have it ASAP, a lot of times Summit will have it. And then a lot of times I've just got to go with a different brand, whether it's a Summit brand or, a you know, an aeromotive fitting or a Fregola fitting or something like that. I just have to go with another brand to, to get it in the shop and make something work so I can get it out the door. I guess one of the biggest things is I'm a huge bear brake guy. I uh, love bear brakes. Pretty much every car that comes out of the shop in the last several years has is, is, is had bear brakes on it. And I really support those guys and, and love them to death. Um, but, you know, stuff hits the shelf and it's gone. People are just buying it up like crazy. Like, and I mean, they're manufacturing as hard as they can. Six weeks for for brakes for a nine-inch Ford and a Wheelwood Pro Spindle. I mean, that's um, two of the most common things in the hot rod industry. ton of different chassis manufacturers that use uh, the Wheelwood Pro Spindle. And just about everybody uses a nine-inch Ford. It, it's just... You know, one of those things, luckily for us, we ordered it in enough time to where we wasn't just sitting there with our thumbs up our butt waiting for it to get there. You know, it's just things like that that normally take two to three weeks are now taking six to eight weeks. Is it affecting your ordering process? And now you're looking at, you know, we've got X car coming into the shop and three or four months are you pre-ordering a bunch of that stuff so that maybe you know you before you even begin the disassembly process you're already ordering stuff for the assembly process so you're giving it six or eight months lead time we we do that anyway we've been doing that for years just so that's why i built that warehouse hmm. is so i can get parts there before we even get started on the car you know, engines, transmissions, suspension, you know, stuff like that, that you've got to have in your hands before you can actually physically get started. So that, that is one of the biggest reasons we built that warehouse was, so we had six or seven shelves per car that we could go ahead and start delegating shelves to cars and putting parts on them shelves. And then when you pull the car apart, obviously everything from that car goes on that shelf as well. 
Do you think, totally off topic, but kind of on topic, do you think that helps you sell jobs when you have a client, say, visit the shop, talking to about doing a build? And I mean, we, we know your builds are serious money. Your paint jobs are serious money. Do you think it helps being able to show somebody a warehouse with parts stocked for future builds as opposed to them going into a shop that you go, you know, they don't have that and the, peop- the customers are going, are you using my money to buy parts for the previous car type thing or um i mean i don't know the answer to that question because i've never had a customer just come up and say that was one of the deciding factors for choosing big oak garage do you think it's in the back of their heads possibly i mean i i i'm sure it probably is especially the ones that have talked with people that's had cars built and had bad stories and stuff like that i just do it for the efficiency of being able to keep everybody busy and being able to keep cars on track and yeah i understand that that's the key reason but when i was doing automotive consulting and helping some people with builds and that i guarantee you that would have made a difference if it came down to shop a or shop b and shop a doesn't have a inventory and they're kind of ordering as they need to shop b that would have well geez they've got 90 percent in stock before they even take my car apart that's uh it's not an advertisable plus but i think it's it's a deciding factor what is what's the old thing when uh coddington lost the riddler or something because he didn't have engraved or laser etched lug nuts or valve stems you know that's the kind of little detail that it matters so right right you know you know we don't take any money up front either you know like if i'm ordering pre-ordering parts i'm going to order them and then bill you for them but they're your parts sitting on your shelf for your car. I'm curious. I have not ordered parts recently for any of my cars. I'm I'm getting ready to, and we'll talk about why in a minute, maybe, because I have something to say. You'll be fine because nobody's ordering parts for brass air cars. I don't have, well, I really don't have any, I don't have any brass air cars technically. (laughs) Okay. I just have goofy stuff that it's always hard to get parts for. But, you know, obviously, like, you know, with exhibits and some of the construction stuff we're doing at the museum, prices are skyrocketing. Not only is it hard to get stuff, but if you guys have been seeing increases in prices on this stuff, too, are we starting to see that? That actually happened to me today. Priced a set of wheels. Guy told me to order them. They went up 60 bucks, $60. And I'd already priced it. That's about all you really make when you sell your buddy a set of wheels. Yeah, it, it's definitely happening. Price increases, shipping cost. Holy, I mean that's just okay. I'm I'm going to complain about that because not only are shipping costs going up, but shipping. And I'm not going to pick on one or another. Carrier services in this country are really lacking. We've ordered stuff recently that doesn't show up, takes a month, two months to show up, had to reorder one of the kids' toys because it made it to Nashville and then it never showed up the house. How does that happen? It literally showed up in Nashville and they never delivered it. The second one, it showed up in Nashville. Two days later, it was delivered to the house. It's, it's, uh, it sucks. Shipping companies are, Amazing. I don't understand it. I made the comment 
remember years ago when gas went up to four four fifty a gallon, every shipper added a fuel surcharge. Yep. When I was still shipping stuff at Barber's when I left two and a half years ago, there was still a fuel surcharge on it, even though gas was two bucks a gallon. That's Why it. didn't they ever take it off? And what happens when it goes back up to four dollars a gallon? Are they going to increase that fuel surcharge again? You know, absolutely. And for Derek's argument, I have this wonderful saw stop in the garage. Uh, you know, it's a for those that aren't familiar, it's a table saw with this cool technology where it's not supposed to cut cut a hot dog in half, which I means it's not supposed to cut your fingers or cut a finger off or body part. And I. I bought it through either Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or one of those things. And I had to drive two hours to go get it. And when we got to the guy's house, he opens up his garage and he's got a stack of them. And then he's got six bandsaws next to it, all the same model and other woodworking tools. And he had a building in his backyard. And he said, do you want to see anything else? I got a bunch in the back. And he had a deal with the FedEx warehouse in Nashville that any woodworking tools that they got that were lost in transit, he had first right of refusal on. So he was literally getting semi loads worth of lost in transit. The saw stop I bought had shipping tags on it, addresses on it, all being shipped to an Amazon warehouse. FedEx has warehouses in Nashville. Amazon at the time, just a couple of years ago, Amazon has warehouses. Why? How did it get lost? It says in six places on the box where it's supposed to be going. I don't know if I just admitted to buying stolen goods on a podcast, but <laughs> it's sickening how, you know, how, how the shipping companies work. And, you know, somebody will tell you, use UPS. They're better than this one. And they're, they're, they're all bad. They're all a mess. The The best shipping company out there is uh, Bezos's from Amazon and Amazon Shipping. They seem to do a pretty good job. The best Anytime shipping is the trunk of your huh? car. The best shipping is the trunk of your car. Mm -hmm. You do know Amazon has that service, too, where they will deliver to the trunk of your car. Yeah. If you're wor working in an office building and you have certain model cars, you can have them deliver it and they have some sort of key popper and they can pop your trunk and put your item in there Crazy. or <laughs> well if it's if it's the amazon delivery driver that was at the house two hours ago I, my guess is it would wind up sitting on the the hood of your car because literally i'm upstairs the dog's barking so i come downstairs figure out what's going on the amazon you know their fancy little gray vans they got now is backing out of the driveway to head down the road and I'm looking around going, okay, where well, there must be a package, right? So I walk down the driveway and it literally is sitting on the side of the driveway in the grass. Not even, you know, porch, anything, just sitting out in the yard. Wow. We all see the um, post to Facebook and that from the um, ring doorbell cameras, I guess, not to plug anybody of the FedEx driver, you know, giving it a big underhand toss onto the porch from... 20 feet away or something and you know it's only a laptop computer what damage could happen to it and i do understand a little bit about the pressures those drivers are under and it's oh yeah i, I get it i know our ups guy and fedex guy pretty good some days they are 
way, way, way overwhelmed with. It's not their fault if your stuff don't show up. If it's on their truck, right. get it. Right. You know, but we had we had one show up the other day. I ordered some stickers. Our friends at Sticker Mule. We do have an affiliate link on the website for that. Yep, they're good good folks. Ordered some big oak stickers from Sticker Mule the other day. They're real good on tracking. They get stuff out on time. And, you know, I'm following the tracking and I'm like, all right, cool. They're going to be here today. Uh, UPS guy pulls up, hands me my package. And I'm like, man, that don't really feel like stickers. And it looked like it had been opened and taped back up. I was like, well, all right, whatever. So I get in there and open it up. And it is a one-inch, stubby, open box-in wrench. And I'm like, what in the world? I know this didn't come from Sticker Mule. It had some other lady's address on it. And then somebody just wrote Big Oak on it and put it on the truck. And he brought it to Big Oak. And, you know, all of the, the scan stuff had been scratched off and craziest thing ever and i'm like okay well what do i do put the wrench on my desk and call or email sticker mule and they sent basically my whole order they just resent my whole order for free i mean it wasn't sticker mule's fault but they did it as right as they could possibly do it and now i've got a you know one inch stubby open box in wrench <laughs> so i don't know you know, it used to be you would have the same UPS driver every day and you would have the same postman every day. And I used to tip them if I see them and I was in the driveway. Hey, you know, I really appreciate all you do. Here's five bucks. Here's 10 bucks. Doesn't matter how much money. It's something and they're getting acknowledged in a thank you. And, you know, even even if it's you know, a dollar bill, I don't think it would it might make you look a little cheap, but you're acknowledging them and you're giving them something. And that's different than everybody else on their route. So they might take better care of you. But now that every package that's delivered is a different delivery driver, what do you do? I mean, even when I'm having a ship to bring me groceries, you know, they expect me to tip the driver. And I, I always say to myself, do I tip them well or don't I? I'm going to have to talk to my buddy who works at the offices at ship, not a ship driver, but he works for shipped corporate and say, Hey, is there a way that the app tracks how I'm tipping? Or maybe a ship driver that's a listener can tell me so that when the next guy goes and says, you know, Oh, I'm delivering to John. Oh, he, he tips an average of 7% that to hell with him. Or does it, you know, does it tell them what I'm tipping or am I stiffing the, the driver? Because, you know, one of the reasons I do it is I'm hoping I get the same driver back. And he goes, oh, yeah, that address tips tips well. It made a difference when I delivered pizzas 30 years ago. You know, we got good tips from certain people. And it didn't matter where your order fell. I'd walk out of, you know, Domino's or Pizza Hut with five orders. The guy that I knew tipped the best got his pizza first. I don't care what the order was. It's a little different now with the computerized systems, but... You know, that, that stuff makes a little bit of a difference in the end. Well, I'll say in Hoax Bluff, Alabama, we have pretty much the same UPS driver every day unless, you know, he's off. We have the same FedEx guy, general FedEx stuff. We have the same FedEx next day air guy, the FedEx Express or whatever it is. 
Um, and we have the same mail lady just about every day. I find find at business addresses, it's usually pretty consistent. You know, cigar shops the same way. When I was at Barber's, it was pretty much the same way. The house, this house, the one that I moved from a couple of years ago, the one before that, it didn't matter. It was a different person almost every day, it seemed, and nothing you can do about it. So I get to save a couple of bucks a year on Christmas presents. I was trying to think back to take it back and get us a little bit back on car. Oh, well, I was going to ask Will when he was talking about parts. Do you think you suffer because you're a small independent shop? You know, Summit's got everything in stock. Um, when it comes to the computer world, HP, Dell, uh, Lenovo, all those guys get their graphics cards and processors and stuff before the individual pieces go out to even the you know regular stores because right now that you can't buy a, a graphics card. You can't buy a graphics card to save your life. You know, they have lotteries on some of the suppliers and that. And it's uh, the computer companies can't get enough. And then they blame it all on the guys building the um, crypto mining rigs that are trying to build. And because those are based around graphic processor cards. And then they get the blame. And the poor guy comes into the store who wants, you know, a graphics card for his PC build. And, you know, he's got. 2000 bucks into his PC build and all he needs is a graphics card and he's been looking for one for six months. You know, is it short man on the, the totem pole? I don't personally think that that's happening. If you, if you have something ordered and it's on back order, um, it'll generally come in the same time that summit gets it. Of course, that's us being a distributor ourselves, And I, you know, I'm using Holly low car, you know, stuff that I'm a dealer for and that that Summit carries as well. I'm sure that, you know, they take care of those guys pretty well, but you can kind of compare it pretty close with Summit. And, and I know I'm using Summit and Holly a lot, but I can go the, on my dealer line through Holly and it'll give me my estimated ship date to me personally. And I can go to Summit and look at the same part number and it's the same estimated ship date. I think if you if you have that order and you're a dealer, they're going to they're going to get it to whoever ordered it first. Yeah, there there's some comfort in knowing that they're they're not playing favorites, I guess. Right. And I'm sure if you're summit or ordering a 20 50 million dollars worth of parts a year, it's it's a little right. different than the guy ordering $395 carburetor, but no, you're, you're exactly right. And I mean, it, it's, it's no different to, you know, any business, the, the person that spends the most money with you generally gets a little bit of better treatment. I mean, that's just, that's just nature of the beast. And you definitely, you want to take care of the people that take care of you. I'm really neutral in, in that at big Oak. I mean, uh, obviously we have cars that are, more of a priority than others. The cars that generally are, are more of the priority are the ones that are going to SEMA and the, the bigger builds, the bigger debut cars, which, you know, is more money. It is what it is. <laughs> At the beginning, you were talking about events starting to open back up and, and car shows and, and all that good stuff. So, you know, and then I, I mentioned, you know, needing to get some parts shipped in and things like that because, 
I'm looking forward to, you know, the car show season again, getting out, getting about a lot of the concours are going to be ramping back up. Uh, the Cincinnati Concours at Alt Park is going to be going on again. So I judge at that every year. And uh, uh, no matter what museum I'm, I've been at, typically take, you know, the Crawford, we took cars, Corvette Museum, we take cars. I judge, have a little fun. But this year I decided evidently I don't have enough on my plate and uh, got all uh, got all excited that Alt Park, uh, the, the Cincinnati Concord Alt Park was including a microcar class and evidently in a um, moment of stupidity thought, oh man, that's so cool. I'm going to apply with the Lloyd because it's custom bodied in a, by a shop in Canada and all the, oh man, isn't it going to be great? And it is going to be great, but I have to have now have the car ready to go to the show because it was accepted yesterday to the show and uh, figure out how I'm going to pull all that off by middle of June. Thank so, yeah. uh, just adding a little more to the work plate, baby. Nothing wrong with that. You had it on your schedule anyway, because you said in the last, last episode of uh, no driving gloves, that your goal was to have everything plated and tagged and drivable by the end of the year. Guess you get to check the Lloyd off the list first. <laughs> uh, it's looking like it. I will say that. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to it though. Cause you know, it's been so long. I mean, Amelia Island 2020. So March of 2020 um, was the last time I've been out and about to a concours or any type of event like that. I'm ready to get out there. So. I'm two shots in. We're talking on Tuesday. On Friday, Saturday will be my two-week anniversary of that second shot. So I'm really looking forward to maybe walking out and talking to some of the guys in the car club here in the near future. Kind of exciting. Kind of feels good. <laughs> I will say, though, as these car shows ramp back up and these events ramp back up, can we please, please remember to not be stupid with our cars. Uh, I mean, there's just so many people out there and I get it. You got your high horsepower muscle cars and you got your, you know, big oak garage built cars that can do, you know, all these fancy things and go real fast and do mean burnouts. The street is not a place for that, especially after one of these events, such as, you know, like, cars and coffee or your local car cruise or any car show you might be attending. Don't pull out of the driveway of it and, and floor it and burn your tires. And well, as we saw in Colorado this earlier this week or last weekend, whenever it was, you know, uh, lose control of your Hellcat and smash into a Silverado pickup and flip it over. Uh, fortunately, no one was hurt in the incident, but that's not the way it could wind up every time. I hate nothing more than that. I, I hate being at an event and hearing somebody rip out of the, the parking lot thinking they're cool and, and doing a burnout. And it's just, uh, Will, you might disagree with me, but I just, I don't know. It's just not the place for it, man. It's I not agree safe. 100%. You know, when, when I'm doing stupid stuff in a car, it's in my driveway at the shop or my driveway at the house or making sure there is nobody else around. If I am on the street, I'm pretty cautious about that, even doing stuff for the TV show. You know, burnouts are cool and donuts and, you know, all that fun stuff. And we make sure if somebody's going to get hurt, it's going to be me in the driver's seat, not a bystander or even even a camera guy. 
You know, you got to be real careful. I always, one of the camera guys has never been on an automotive show before. So we were doing a, you know, doing a big burnout the other day. And, and I told him, I said, there's a 99% chance that this car is going to go, it's going to go left when I start doing a burnout. And I said, so just be, just be ready. Sure enough, you know, I started spinning the tires pretty good and, and it, it walked left pretty hard and he was ready for that. So then there was nobody else around and he was actually behind, you know, kind of at the quarter panel of the car. So, uh, if something did go stupid, if it broke an axle or something, he was uh, close enough to get hurt. So, you know, I'm pretty, pretty cautious about that. You know, you don't, you don't have a fast car to idle around town. You have a fast car to push it and have fun with it. You just got to be careful and very thoughtful of when you're going to be doing that. And that's why Zara, that's why that's why John's not allowed to drive the Cadillac. <laughs> that might be one of the reasons. I was just thinking recently. Um, I guess it's popping up in my memories on Facebook and that. Whatever happened to all the Mustang drivers? I guess they all died because we haven't seen any of those tragic Mustang accidents. There hadn't been any events in a while, but yeah, yeah, that might be it. Let the events get open again. There's probably been fewer deaths because of COVID than because, you know, the Mustang drivers have been off the road. Is that, that a, a fair statement? Actually, wait, wait. I, I saw a Mustang just, just yesterday at the Corvette Museum. It was doing something wild. It was at our charging station getting charged up. It was pretty cool. A Mustang? Oh, one of them mock mock yeah, the, the mock baby. It was a white one. It was just sitting there charging. Mm. Doing what electric vehicles do. Getting charged. Have you heard the wonderful um, issue with the mock No. I have not heard. They seem to just shut off whenever they feel like. And then they don't ever turn back on. And Ford has looked at the problem and they've diagnosed the problem. And it's a computer issue. It needs a software update that can't be done over the air. So they say, come by the dealership. Well, if the car doesn't start or move, how do you come by the dealership? (laughs) That's called a rollback. They back up, they roll it down, drag it on, and they take it to the dealership. I was going to say, who was telling me the difficulty of putting a car in neutral? But I think Derek and I were talking about how difficult it is to put some cars in neutral a couple of times. Uh, yeah. You got to have the little pin and just pay it you know, hold your tongue the right way and stand on one foot and do the hokey pokey. And, you know. Yep. The new, some of the new transmissions, uh, it's a little bit of work if the car doesn't want to start to get it in neutral. Some of the new cars, it's a little bit of work to just get in them if it doesn't want to start and the battery's dead. Or- mm-hmm. True that. Are we about there? I mean, there's only one other topic that was thrown out in the beginning of the show, and that's the death of Fiat, Alpha, and in the United States and Chrysler. What's that tell you? Well, now that Stellantis is in full move, the heavy rumor is, you know, Fiat's only selling the rebodied Miata now. The 500's gone. It's kind of kind of sad. As much as I hated the 500, I own two of them, and I did like them. Sad to see the, the Fiat going away. 
Alpha going away. Uh, seem like, you know, they, they're building some decent cars. I, everybody I know with an Alpha absolutely loves it, whether it's the uh, sedan or the 4C or, or the uh, SUV. They're all happy with them. And I really expected to see Dodge die before Chrysler and actually Alpha take the place of uh, Dodge. But it looks like um, the rumor is Chrysler's going to go away. The 300's going to get put out to pasture. And if you want a 300, just buy a Charger. The Pacifica will either become a Dodge or a Ram. And, you know, the person, people buying Pacificas aren't, other than Sean, he didn't buy one, but he still wants one, aren't really car people. They're not going to care if it's a Ram or a Dodge or a Chrysler or a Stellantis. And I was going to try to come up with some odd car name, but I didn't want to insult any car companies. And I was having a hard time coming up with a defunct automaker. But Studebaker, I'll say, I'll say Plymouth. Overland, Marmon. We'll keep it in the, kind of in the same family and we'll say Plymouth. So that's our kind of news of the week is that Stellantis is probably going to end up killing off a couple of uh, nameplates, some very familiar. And the good news is they're not going to bring Peugeot or Citron over. So well, it'll be Ram, Jeep, Ram, Jeep, Dodge dealers, really. It, yeah, so they have no plan to keep any of the Fiat lineup? They're just killing it? Well, the Fiat lineup, like I said, is dead with the exception, I believe, of just well, the one, the, uh, the 124. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, and that's just a rebodied Miata, and it doesn't yeah. sell that well. The Yes, the drivetrain's different. For the Fiat fans out there, the drivetrain's different. The motor's different. It revs a little bit more, et cetera. But yeah, that one looks like it's going. Like I said, the Alpha one's the one that surprised me, you know, with the, the Julia and the, the Stelvio. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the 4C, uh, I think, went away in 2020. The 4C convertible, whatever, that was the last of that. And, you know, that car's done and out of production. But like I said, I kind of saw them taking the place of Dodge, but I guess the Dodge nameplate up against Ford and Chevy wins out Mopar or no car. We got anything else guys, or otherwise let's just uh, kick it and we'll talk to everybody in a week. No, I think, I think that was good. I'm, I'm, you know, been sitting on my butt too long. I'm tired. Yeah. That's what happens. You sit and you just start falling asleep, man. Yeah. That's probably as long as Will sat in two weeks. <laughs> Yep, I'm. I don't generally sit, sleeping, moving. I'm kicking the outro music. We'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you for listening, and remember to look us up at nodragongloves.com. There you can find back episodes, links to products we recommend, and links to all of our social media. Be sure to tell a friend about us. No Driving Gloves is edited and produced by J. Lewis Productions. Thank you.